Hello and welcome to Jack's Viral Podcast. As always, we've been speaking to people across Oxfordshire about the ways that the coronavirus crisis has affected them. Some serious, some not so much. In this episode, we're going to cover face coverings, gyms, the Samaritans, and of course, that question that everyone wanted to know an answer to when this all began, what will become of Oxford's ice hockey team? So sit back, relax and enjoy. First up, just because you're wearing a face mask doesn't mean you should forget about the other rules. That's the message from an Oxford health expert. Face masks became compulsory in England on Friday. Here is Dr. Anne Safanzir, the Director of Public Health in Oxfordshire. As you know, um, as of Friday, uh, there is the guidance that has come out that we should wear face coverings um, as we enter into premises like shops um, where there is a high risk, of potential high risk of transmission. Um, And we are asking all our residents to abide by this. Uh, face covering is already a, um, a mandatory in public transport um, and uh, from tomorrow onwards people will be ex- uh, expected to do this in uh, shops as well. Um, and I think this is a good thing um, because uh, vast majority of the evidence is, has shown that um, using face coverings will help to reduce the spread um, but it, it, it is also important to emphasise that it's not just about face covering, it is also about keeping a distance. So just because you're wearing a face covering, that doesn't mean that uh, you're exempt from keeping the distance. It's really important you keep the distance. And again, you should still follow the most important advice of washing your hands as regularly as possible. Perfect. Are there any um, sort of common misconceptions or things that people need to bear in mind when they're when they're buying these, when they're wearing these? One of the key messages is that they don't need to go and get a surgical mask or anything like that. Any type of face covering would do. If you can, when you're using the face covering, you have to be able to close both your uh, mouth and your nose. That's really important. Um, and, um, and 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 I think it's taps into the wider prevention message. Um, there is a, there is a, at, at an Oxfordshire level, we are in a good place. We, we have managed to bring the number of cases down to a low level. Um, and the biggest impact we can make is to prevent an outbreak. Uh, and the way you can prevent outbreak is to follow the simple messages like keeping the distance, um, washing your hands as regularly as possible, and wearing a face covering when you're indoors, especially when you're when it's difficult to maintain that two meter rule. Um, you know, it, it's better to do that. The evidence shows that you're more likely to um, catch uh, infections indoors than outdoors. In general, the risk is higher indoors, so that is why this measure has been introduced. Um, and it certainly will help along with the wider prevention message uh, to, to do this in a sensible way. Just finally for me, Ansef, um, do you think that this is a measure that should have been introduced sooner? There is a proportionality in everything that we do. Um, it, uh, we, we, we were in a lockdown um, yeah, uh, before. Uh, the vast majority of, of, uh, of the public were under a lockdown. Um, and that has been the most effective thing we have done to bring the transmission uh, down to this level. Now we're easing out of lockdown. Now the shops are opening. The indoor settings are starting to open. So as we open, we need to keep the numbers low at this level. 
So in that sense, it's actually quite timely to introduce some of these measures. Uh, and I think we need to look forward as we go along. Um, you know, and I think this is a sensible additional measure that all of us can play a part in, in preventing, uh, uh, pre- preventing the transmission of COVID infection. And prevention is the best way. We put lots of measures in place to manage outbreaks, but people playing their part, everyone playing their part uh, to prevent uh, COVID transmission is the most effective and the most powerful thing that we can do. I just want to thank everyone. Uh, everyone has, by and large, has paid their part in, in, in taking forward that prevention message and to help us bring the numbers down to this level, the positive cases down to this level. Uh, we can't be complacent. We need to continue with that. Um, and I have every confidence that the residents of Oxfordshire uh, will continue to do this. Um, you know, it, it, we we got to do it not necessarily for uh, just for ourselves. It's more for our loved ones, our families, um, you know, our elderly relatives. We, we have to do it uh, for them. We did a poll on Twitter before the new rules came in asking if you were ready. Out of 127 votes, the majority of you said yes, you've got one, and the fifth are already wearing them in shops. Head to Jack FM News for the rest of the results. Now, isolation, loneliness and worries about family finances and unemployment have been the most common reasons people have picked up the phone to the Samaritans since lockdown began. Oxford's branch has answered around 2,000 calls every month since March and have managed to keep their service 24-7. Matt Williams from Oxford Samaritans says the anonymous service lends an ear when it's most needed. Samaritans in Oxford have been very busy um, taking calls as we always do. Um, the period of lockdown, um, all the concerns around the pandemic um, have sort of continued, kept us kept us busy. And um, you know, the interesting thing for us is that a number of our volunteers have been in self-isolation uh, because of their age, because of their health uh, and all of those things. Uh, but they're starting to, to, to come back and, um, you know, we've stayed open 24 hours a day. So, you know, one of the, the key things for, for July is that it's Talk To Us, which is um, based around the 24th of July or 24-7, which really promotes the fact that Samaritans are available to talk to at any time of day, 24-7. Have you guys seen a boost in numbers since the start of lockdown? Uh, our phones are really busy, um, and they, you know, it's reckoned that Samaritan's phone rings somewhere in the UK every six seconds. So I, I think that sort of has, has remained. Um, you know, one of the difficulties for us uh, as, as, a, as a branch, we're really lucky that in, in happier times, we usually have three volunteers on the phones, uh, you know, pretty much around the clock. Uh, and because of social distancing, we're only having two volunteers uh, on at any one time. So our capacity to take calls is is reduced little, uh, but we're still there. Most Samaritan branches have two on duty at any one time. So, you know, for us, it's it's very much business as usual. I just wish that we could, you know, have extra capacity to take all the calls that are coming in. And particularly in the wee small hours, you know, around two, three, four in the morning, uh, you know, um, having two volunteers answer calls. Uh, quite often, these are quite difficult times for people. And, um, you know, our, our phones are really busy. And uh, I guess we're just waiting for uh, for the end of lockdown and social distancing, whenever that is, so that we can actually take, you know, have that capacity to take those extra calls. How important would you say as someone on the front line 
um, how important would you say the service that the local Samaritans provide is to the city? I, I think Samaritans um, provide something really essential, um, both in terms of, it, of, of the community and, and, and the wider population. I think the, the very fact that someone is there at the end of a phone whenever you need to talk to them, or indeed at the end of an email, whenever you need to talk to somebody is really essential. And that might be at, at breakfast time, that might be, um, you know, at, at midnight and, and in the early morning. I think, you know, I genuinely believe that by talking seriously um, and respectfully with somebody about what's going on with them, having a really genuine connection with that person and talking about what's going on with them, including, you know, when people express thoughts about ending their lives, I genuinely feel that it can really make the difference. Sometimes, you know, I wouldn't want to over, over-dramatize it, but we are talking, I think, life and death. And sometimes people just need that outlet. Uh, it's great that people talk to their friends, they talk to their family, um, but there's certain things you, you know, people don't want to share with their nearest and dearest, um, things that they're really worried about saying. And the great thing about Samaritans is it's, it's an, an anonymous service. It's a confidential service. So people can say what really is going on in their lives, what's going on in their mind, perhaps even talking about, you know, thoughts about ending their own life. And they can talk with it dispassionately with another human being who is trained and ready to talk about those things. And, you know, from that point of view, I think at an individual level, it can be essential and it can be literally life-saving. What I would urge everybody to do is to take the time um, to talk and listen to um, their nearest and dearest. You know, lockdown hasn't sort of gone away. COVID-19 hasn't gone away. And I think people are starting to really experience some really difficult thoughts and feelings. And I think by sharing those thoughts and, and you know, and, and talking about them honestly and openly and safely, um, you know, I think we're going to be able to get through this. But for some people, it's really difficult. And I would say, Literally, it's a life-saving service that Samaritans provide. Mark Williams there from Oxford Samaritans. Now, the manager of an Abingdon gym says it's been tough to balance the fun experience of working out with the new social distancing rules. Members can expect enhanced cleaning, one-way systems and spaced-out machines when they reopen. Pam Radley from the Whitehorse Leisure Centre says that even though there's been a surge in home workouts during lockdown, people will return. The customer journey is going to look very different from from what it looked before. So whether you're a member or a non-member, all bookings now need to be made in advance via the Better app or via our website. Once you come in, you're going to follow one-way systems that will take you to your activity areas. If you're going to the gym, you'll go into the gym. You'll see equipment's been spaced out. You will see some machines may be out of order, but that's to make sure that we maintain the two-meter social distancing rules and regulations. You're going to see markers and and signage has been increased, so you can clearly see that that machines are marked out. Um, You will also see increased hygiene uh, regimes and and cleaning regimes that we've put in place. We've put hand sanitizers throughout the building, and, uh, and you, would, you will see staff redeployed into different areas as well. And how did you work out kind of finding that balance between making sure people feel safe to come to the gym so you get people back through the doors, but also making sure that they still enjoy the experience? 
Yeah, I mean, it's been a tough balance because obviously the gym experience is going to be a little bit different as we enter this new normal. And, and we've really wanted to keep that fun element. But the most important thing to all of us at Better is the health and safety of our, our customers and staff. So we followed all of the government guidelines. So as that's come out about social distancing, we've made sure that that's there. We've enhanced our cleaning regimes. We've uh, redeployed staff. So you're going to see staff in completely different areas. We've marked machines off. We've got one-way flow systems. All of those things will will help the the customer journey and and hopefully put confidence that that they're in a very safe place. Lots of people have taken to sort of working out in their living rooms, haven't they, and doing Joe Wicks and all sorts of other types of workouts. Do you think that it might be a bit difficult to encourage people to actually get back in the gym? I think it's been great that people have done uh, that at home and, and exercise has been introduced to people who, who didn't exercise before but we are confident that people will come back to the, the gyms and, and the leisure centres and that because they'll want that contact with people and, and they're still social places but we, we obviously need to make sure that there's those distance rules in place um, but also the expertise of our staff and, and just having the variety of equipment that you can't get in your home um, we've got that in gyms and it, it's all safely laid out so, so we're very confident that, um, that, that people will return And do you think you might kind of complement what you've got inside the gym with some stuff virtually and online just because of how I suppose how we're doing our workouts has changed a bit, hasn't it? Absolutely. I mean, all the way through lockdown, we've had the Better app, um, which is available free to to all of our members. And that has thousands of exercises on it. And it's a complete variety of exercises. It's for beginners all the way through to, to advanced users. So it's it's a fantastic tool that is remaining um, even when we've reopened. And for, for those people who don't want to return at, at this stage, we actively encourage you to do that because um, it, it's helping towards your health and well-being. As well as all those people that have been keeping fit in lockdown, I'm guessing, are you anticipating that you might get some clients coming back through that have said, actually, I haven't done anything since March, like, please help me? <laughs> yeah, we, we think we'll, we'll get some of those as well. But the most important thing is for anyone returning to exercise, if you haven't exercised since March, please bear in mind that you won't be able to work at the same levels that you were working at before. So the, we need to reduce everything down, um, start slowly and, and build up. And very quickly, your fitness level will come back and, and hopefully the bug of coming to the gym and, and the fun that exercises will also return. Pam Radley there. The longer the pandemic lasts, the more difficult things will get for low-income families. That from Fran Bennett, who's part of the Oxford and District Action Against Child Poverty Group. She's taking part in a webinar later on the issue and says although the government has increased some benefits, that's not been focused on struggling families. So low-income families in particular have been um, uh, facing a real challenge, partly because although, I mean, the government uh, increased some benefits by £20 a week, which was very, very welcome, um, but that's universal credit and working tax credit, and they haven't um, increased benefits for all Um, And they haven't focused on families. So it was just a straight £20 a week increase, whether you were a single person or a couple or a family with three children, for example. Um, So that's meant that uh, for families, they haven't had as much um, help as others, if you like. And of course, if you've got your children at home from school all the time, um, then the costs tend to rise and you can't shop around either um, in in lockdown as you uh, probably used to do to try and make your money stretch further of course and are they finding are many families finding that it is a bit of a struggle to get help at the moment or is there more available during lockdown 
Well, the um, the local council, the city council, has set up um, hubs uh, to help people, and that's that's great. Um, and of course, the government has provided um, vouchers uh, instead of free school meals for those children who qualify on the grounds of low income, which is which is also very welcome. And of course, Marcus Rashford um, has um, uh, ensured that the government is extending that to the school holidays, which will be a bonus. So all that is is really helpful. But I think it's quite hard for families because I think the social isolation um, is also an issue. Um, it means that, um, for example, health visitors are finding it difficult to go in and visit families. Um, and some of the people, I mean, the Growing Minds Project will be talking about this, um, that other uh, project workers can't necessarily um, go in and see people. So I think people are feeling quite um, isolated. And also, of course, if you're cooped up in somewhere with with um, several children running around, then uh, that gets quite difficult too. So um, open spaces and public parks and so on are also incredibly important resources for, uh, for families with, uh, on low incomes who are struggling at the moment as well. And do you think we are already kind of learning lessons from this period and, and what it's done to, to families and their finances and how we can make sure that you know, there is better support in future? I certainly hope we're we're learning lessons. Um, I mean, one of the key things that uh, that we've been proposing, and we've done this in letters to our local MPs from the Oxford District Action on Child Poverty Group, and we've also written to the local press, uh, is to ask for a £10 a week increase in child benefit straight away. So. The, the lesson we ought to be learning is that child benefit is uh, the best way of getting to um, families with children in poverty. Um, it's very easy. There's no means test. It's not different whether you're in or out of work. It's not different whether you're a lone parent or a two-parent family. And because it's paid to the mother or the main carer, then it gets to children kind of immediately. So um, what we've been asking for is uh, a £10 a week increase in child benefit straight away. Now, <laughs> when you say have we learnt the lessons from that? That hasn't yet happened, but we're hoping that it will happen as soon as possible to uh, get to all those families who are struggling at this very difficult time. Fran Bennett there from Oxford and District Action Against Child Poverty. Researchers in Oxford have started recruiting for a new study which aims to reduce the number of COVID-19 patients being hospitalised by 20%. Experts are looking at treating people with mild coronavirus with a steroid inhaler before they get really sick. Oxford doctor Sanjay Ramakrishnan has been speaking to our reporter Emma Cohen about the study and says they need almost 480 volunteers to take part. The example is emphysema patients and asthma patients. If you have a respiratory viral illness, you'd think they were the ones who'd be most likely to get sick. But they are the ones who are least likely to get sick in this scenario, which is very odd. And the only common thing there is the use of inhaled steroids. So we think um, it changes the way the virus binds to the lining of the airways in the lung. What are the benefits then of actually treating patients before they get really sick and then end up yeah. in hospital? The benefit for the patient is everything. If you can keep patients from getting sick enough to need hospital, and people don't just go to hospital because they are slightly sick. They go to hospital because they're very sick, having very low oxygen, very breathless. So first, the symptoms of feeling not getting as sick. Second, you're just preventing all the things that come downstream of that, all the things that come with going to hospital, having to have oxygen, having to have ICU care, and all the problems that come with that. So... 
instead of focusing on the end of the illness, which is where most of the trials are looking at, we're looking at the start of the illness, which is we are the only study in the UK doing that at the moment. Why do you think that other people are already looking into actually getting the illness yeah, so, at the beginning? And then the whole point of lockdown was to prevent the surge and prevent the uh, hospitals from being overrun. We are offering another option where by using this medicine, if it works, that's what we're trying to prove, we can s- somehow reduce the number of people who need to end up in hospital, uh, which is the whole point of lockdown anyway. So what we're trying to do is imitate the level of effectiveness of lockdown by reducing the number of people who, who get sick enough to end up in hospital. And we think we can reduce it significant amount. We're hoping for a 20% reduction, which means one in five people who take our drug will not get sick enough to end up in hospital, which means, you know, thousands of patients in the winter. Are you looking for people to actually volunteer for this? Any adult over the age of 18 who's not already taking inhaled steroids, who has just started having symptoms suggestive of COVID-19. So you don't even have to have a positive test. If you think you have symptoms that sound like COVID-19, so flu-like symptoms, cough, running nose, sore throat, headache, fatigue, and it's been, it hasn't been seven days since you started having them, just give us a call. We'll come and help, look after you at home. That was Dr. Sanjay Ranakrishnam. Now, we've been encouraged to run, cycle or hula hoop to help support over 100 scientists working to find a coronavirus treatment at Oxford Uni. Former Olympic rower Annabel Ayres lives in Oxford and set up the Coronathon Challenge this weekend. Here's why she's keen for people to donate. Well, I'm an ex-Olympian and still an active rower at Falcon Rowing Club in Oxford. And I had all these events lined up through the summer, as did my friend Tiffany, who actually, who I met at school, but lives in Switzerland. She was aiming to do her third Ironman competition. I never approve of it being Ironman, not Iron Woman, but <laughs> Ironman competition, which is 112k cycle, 3.6 swim and a marathon. And she was going to do that on July the 12th. And that was also cancelled. Our children are really sporty. All their events were cancelled. Our sons had to come back from an American university because all of his events were cancelled and they are until January next year at least. And they're also keen sailors. So my husband was a sailor. All of that was wiped out. And we're not, we're not alone. There's so many other people, families who've had all their sort of competitive events cancelled over the summer. So the Corona song came out of that really it was it was to try and have a virtual event which would somehow make up for all these cancelled sporting events across the world really and of course this isn't just for athletes is it it's for anyone who whether they've had an event cancelled over the summer or not just to sort of take on a challenge and help raise a bit of money that's absolutely it. So we really wanted this to be a completely inclusive event. And although we named cycling, swimming, rowing, running, walking as the main challenges you could do, actually, it's completely flexible. It's completely inclusive. And yes, we want people just to say, OK, I haven't done any running for a bit or I haven't done, I've never done this, or I've never done that, and actually set themselves their own personal challenge. And that might seem quite a modest challenge, but to them, it would be a big challenge. So I've got a friend who's doing hula hooping. I mean, she's a crazy hula hooper. You know, she, she's been doing that for some time. So she's going to do a sort of hula hoop challenge. And then another friend who, who claims she, she's a complete couch potato, but she's going to go and swim a few lengths of a, of a pool. And, and another 
another guy is rehabilitating from injury he's 83 he's committed to just doing some yoga each day so it's it's really really flexible really inclusive and what we've also noticed is and i think lots of people have you probably have the amount of people who are outside taking exercise since the beginning of lockdown it's kind of it's almost like people have reconnected with nature with the outdoors and it's really fantastic to see families out on bikes and the river is packed, not just with rowers now, it's packed with paddle boarders, swimmers, you name it, canoeists, everyone's out enjoying the summer and enjoying sort of feeling, I think, gathering fitness again after years of sort of being tied to a desk and just work, work, work. It's, it's, if anything's come out of this, the lockdown has given people a bit of a chance to reconnect with their bodies and nature and set some goals. Yeah, well, I'm one of those who, I I did go to the gym before lockdown, but I think I'm fitter and doing more during lockdown. And I think I was worried before we went into it that I would actually just become really lazy and it's gone the opposite way. And those things that you mentioned, I think, you know, hula hooping and and Pilates or yoga, they're not easy either. They're they're quite tough classes, aren't they? They are, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yoga, you can can do very gentle yoga. I'm a big advocate for yoga. Or, Or you can do... Ashtanga or Vinyasa flow, which actually is a bit more testing, but it's again yoga is a brilliant example actually of, of a kind of well it is a sport where you can just pitch it at your level, and in fact you're meant to listen to your body, and if you feel you're putting too much pressure on your body, you step back a little bit. So that's quite a good analogy for all of them. Um, and it, and yes, sport isn't about you know Tiffany loves doing her Ironman competitions, but way you know that's not for everybody. <laughs> that's 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 definitely her thing you know for other people it's just simply walking along the riverbank um we had some really really lovely story with some old teachers from our school who decided that they would do a marathon walk back to the school where we all met and it's 20 22 miles and they are over 80 as well so 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 being outdoors taking exercise it's, it's not a big deal anyone can do it as well as the challenge of all this, the aim is to raise some money for Oxford University. And obviously the work that they do has been in the news a lot recently, especially this week, because there's been some really encouraging results out of the programme. So what is it exactly that sort of encouraged you to raise funds for those scientists? And what do you hope the money will do? Well, the coronavirus research team uh obviously are based out of Oxford University and Tiffany and I both have huge connections with the university. I went there. um, I've lived in Oxford uh, most of my adult life. I know lots of people who work in the university. And I was really amazed just chatting to somebody to to find out that all this money that's uh, been given by AstraZeneca, the government, uh, it's actually pigeonholed for certain aspects of their work and that they really rely on philanthropy for a whole load of other projects. So in a way, there is no limit to the money they need. And if they have the money, they can then use it for some slightly more obscure, you could say slightly smaller projects, which will be just as important in terms of beating the virus, but won't be the sort of big way, this is the vaccine trial or, or this is production of the vaccine, which is obviously what, what people are really kind of cottoning onto, and that's capturing people's imagination. It's all the other work around that, which is equally important. And that's what our money, the money we're raising is going to go towards. Annabelle's hoping anyone who's had stuff like marathons and triathlons cancelled because the lockdown will get involved. 
Now then, among the local teams itching to make a return after the coronavirus pandemic are the Oxford City Stars. The local ice hockey team haven't been able to take to the ice at all since lockdown began, with the rinks across the UK shut. They'll be opening their doors again at the start of next month. Dean Burrell is the head coach. We were all hopeful for the 25th and then obviously that got stopped and then they said that they're going to reopen on the 1st of August. So, no, the, the governing body, the English Ice Hockey Association, have set up a plan which does in phases, four phases. So, kind of phase one, you can go on the ice, not too much contact, you know, maybe just a little sort of tippy-tap around. You can't shower or get changed there. And then it gradually builds up until we can get back in to where we were. But the big thing for a lot of us in our leagues, and for us especially, we need our fans through the door to watch us, or it's just not worth it at the end of the season. Um, And, you know, we've already had some casualties because of COVID. Um, Unfortunately, Blacknell's ice rink has closed down for good, um, which is horrendous for British ice hockey. Um, So, you know, it's it's not looking great, but I'm, I'm still confident that we'll have a season this year. We don't have any idea of a, a start date for the season, do we? Well, the the, the main league in Britain, the elite, they're looking at starting in November, December. They're talking about a pre-season in November and starting their season in December. So we're kind of hoping we could be doing the same. And we've kind of made plans for that. It would just mean that we really push the season together um, sort of one home, one away. But again, it really is kind of hearsay until the government sort of come up with uh, with the actual plan. Sure. How hard is this? Uh, this pandemic obviously has hit industry across the spectrum. How bad could it be, uh, all told, for uh, local ice hockey clubs across across the UK? Yeah, I mean, it, it can really damage them. Like I say, I think we, we all, all the clubs, especially in our league, they need the fans to be coming in. And the, the, the leagues above, they need a certain amount of weeks in the season to actually even break even. So if they needed 25 um, weeks for, for them to break even and they're only allowed 20, well, they could actually fold the club and there is murmurs of a couple of the big teams not being able to sort of compete compete this uh, season. So we're kind of hoping it's not coming to that and I think we're all kind of working working it well that we can, you know, we can survive and I think the majority will. Unfortunately, Bracknell, I think, was, was, has, has been... Um, like I say, closed down, and that's that suffered because of it. But um, it's difficult times. I mean, even building the team itself, you know, I would have had guys on the ice by now. Would have been trialing them by now, um, and I've actually had to just go on the word of of some um, coaches that I, I trust um, as to some players. So you know, it's it's interesting times for us as well. I mean. What can you guys do for the uninitiated, for, for, from someone who doesn't know that, that much about ice hockey? What can you guys do in terms of drills and fitness when you can't get out on the ice? Are you, are you guys putting the roller skates on? Is it is it street hockey? Well, it's the closest thing that you'll get, but it's still not 
you know, exact, you know, um, roller skating, ice skating, yeah, they're, they're the same, but they're very different. Um, so there's nothing like getting out on the ice. It's a case of individually the boys keeping fit. Obviously, you can't go into the gyms as yet. Um, so it's, you know, they're, they're having to work out um, as much as they can sort of from home, really. Um, you know, I know a few of them have set up like um, a, a, the nets and, you know, they're shooting at the nets. But really to get that proper feeling, you know, it's like, a I don't know, an F1 race car driver tearing about a Tesco car park in a mini. It's just not there, you know. It's not the same thing. So, um, we, we, you know, they're, they're doing what they can, um, but we really need to get the boys on the ice as soon as possible. How do you see the long-term future of Oxford Sea Stars? I think the long-term future, the management have been very smart in what they have done with their uh, way they're structuring it this year. Uh, I think we'll be okay. I think we'll survive. I think we've got a very strong fan base that will see us through. Um, I, it's a case of how the world's maybe going to change, you know, um, whether there's going to be face masks for the next year to come and watch the games you know, because obviously we need to get the fans in and getting them through the door um, and getting them to use the cafeteria and so that they can go to the toilet and do all this safely within our building is the big issue. Um, but the team itself, I think we'll be okay. Thing, you know, I'm, I'm quietly confident that we will be okay. Steve Birrell there. Hopefully the boys will be back on the ice winning again soon. That's all from us for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Have a good one.